This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We're in Exodus chapter 23, and we are dealing with the festivals, the the celebrations, the feast that God instituted right there on the mountain, right there after he gave the Ten Commandments. They're very important. And last time we talked about a little bit about Passover. Obviously, they would have been the most familiar with that. And it would have been important to them because they just went through it. And they just went through it several weeks before that, maybe a couple of months, maybe 10 weeks. We're not sure. We're not sure exactly when they received these commandments from God as to how to live their lives. God's given them some commandments about how to deal with each other, how to run civil society. And now he's giving them, he's giving them holidays. And what, I mean, what better thing to do than get a holiday. In fact, today is Martin Luther King Day here in the United States. I'm celebrating Martin Luther King today by staying home. It's a holiday. All holidays are wonderful because they come from the word holy days, and we we look forward to our time off, and I do too. And what better than to study these holidays or holy days when we're on a holiday? And the first one in this verse, because we're going to have to deal with two holidays, in uh, one verse, the first one is the celebrate of the festival of harvest with the first fruits of the crop you sow in your field. Now, this this holiday is called Oat, Shavuot, and it is, you will hear Jewish people say it, they'll sp- say it a lot more smoothly and a lot more confidently because I, I, it's hard for me to say it confidently, to tell you the truth, but it is a neat holiday. It actually, as far as this holiday is concerned, it has many names. It's the Festival of Harvest or the Festival of First Fruits. It is also called the Festival of Weeks. And finally, it's called the Festival of Pentecost at Pentecost. And it has many names. And it's important because it's a revelation of God that oftentimes we don't think about, we don't consider. And this revelation of God was what happened days, 49 days after they were delivered from Egypt, after uh, the Passover. They had the Passover, and then 49 days later, they are in the desert. They're in the wilderness at the mountain. Sometimes we think they wandered around for a couple of years trying to find the mountain. They went directly to the mountain. Moses knew where the mountain was. He'd been there. He received uh, his uh, commissioning to go and get them out of Egypt, so he knew exactly what he was doing when he was on that mountainside. (coughs) That being said, they get, it took seven weeks for the whole camp to get there. They were led by God there. And when they got there, God revealed himself in his full power to them. Now, he'd re- revealed power in Egypt in, in the plagues. He'd revealed power to them in the crossing of the Red Sea and in, in leading them by a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. They had seen the power of God at work. 
They'd seen God at work regularly, and they'd seen God at work fully, but they had not seen him in his in, in putting on the whole light show, I would like to call it, doing everything in the fullness of himself, revealing himself in his fullness. And that happened on the mountaintop. And they were going to celebrate, they were to celebrate meeting God on the mountain. Now, we're going to talk about how people react to that. But I think it's important that you see the the connections. The reason it was called the Festival of Harvest or the Festival of First Fruits is, well, God wanted them to remember the first time they really met him. And so it's called the Festival of Harvest. The first the first fruits that come from the field, they were to bring in and celebrate. They celebrate God showing up and God producing fruit of their faith. And that is what fruit represents. The fruits of the field represents represents the fruit of our faith. You have to plant, you have to water, and then you have to let God give the increase. But when you do those acts of faith, of planting and watering, and expecting that God is going to show up, that's the that's that's the festival of harvest. It's the festival of first fruits. It's seeing God move when we actually trust him. The reason it's called the Festival of Weeks later on is, well, because it's seven weeks. Seven weeks later, the next day after seven weeks, 49 days, and then the next day after seven weeks was when they were supposed to celebrate it. They had on the calendar that when the Passover was supposed to take place, it was supposed to take place a certain day or a certain month of the Jewish calendar. Now, that doesn't work the same way out for us because it, it happens at different times on our calendar. And the reason that is is because the Jew, Jewish calendar was 360 days. Our calendar is 365 days. And that month and that time in the lunar calendar is different. So sometimes you'll have you'll have Easter on in early March. Sometimes you'll have it as late April. But it happens sometimes in that time period. And then the next one's going to fluctuate also because obviously Passover fluctuates. That holiday is going to fluctuate, and it's going to be exactly 50 days, 50 days, 49, seven weeks, and one day after feast of the feast of Passover. And so they, that's why they called it the Feast of Weeks, so you could remember when it was going to happen. It was easy for them back there to put it on their Google Calendar and make sure they had the dates down right. I don't think they had Google Calendar back then, but it seems like I've had it forever, and it rules me. Uh, I, pr- I pray that uh, one day I'll be delivered from it. But that being said, a calendar is always good to know what's going on. And the these this celebration was supposed to be the Festival weeks. We know it as Pentecost, and it's important for us because it's the time where God revealed himself through his people in full power. Now, he'd obviously revealed himself in full power in his son, Jesus Christ, in the life that he lived, but in his people, he he demanded some faith from them, some sowing and some, and some watering so that they could have the full harvest of their faith. And he told them, Jesus told them when he met with them after after the, well, it's really right after he was the Passover lamb. If you get the pictures, it's beautiful. He says, I'm the Passover lamb. And then he went and was the Passover lamb. And then he told them after he was resurrected to tarry in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. Now he didn't tell them it was going to be at the end of at the end of the festival of weeks. He didn't tell them it was going to be at Pentecost. He just told them to wait in Jerusalem till they receive power from on high. Now, just like out in the wilderness where God shows up in power on top of that mountain, and just like in at Pentecost, not everybody experiences it. 
And that doesn't mean that not everybody's born again. That doesn't mean that not everybody wasn't delivered out of Egypt. They all were delivered out of Egypt, but many of them did not want to see God. They didn't want to go up on that mountain and see God. They were afraid because when God shows up in power, it can be a little bit unnerving. It can be a little bit what I like to call uncomfortable. So many times people look for churches by the comfort level of the church. I always look for the church. I would always look for a church by the spirit level of the church, meaning how much is the spirit of God actually at work in that church? And they, they didn't want to go up on that mountain. In fact, they said, I'm not going up on that mountain. You go talk to God and tell us what he says. And God doesn't like that. God doesn't want anybody in between him and his people, especially in considering how much he loves them, especially considering how much he is, he has sacrificed for them, his only begotten son. So he wants to have direct access to you and he doesn't want to go through anybody else. We don't have a priesthood that is in between us and God. We are the priesthood. We're the ones who have access to God, every one of us. God wants us to come up and meet with him. And likewise, when Jesus told those who were the ones he revealed himself to right after right after his resurrection, he met, the Bible says he revealed himself to somewhat about, to a number of around 500. If you'll notice when you're reading your story, Pentecost in the book of Acts, you'll see that only 125 were there. What does that mean? That means that the other 375 for whatever reason, we come up with really good reasons. We do that a lot. We can come up with really good reasons why we're not being obedient to God's instruction by faith. We do that. Christians, we're, in fact, we're good at it. We're real good at it. We'll come up with every reason in the world why we're not obedient to God by faith. And then we wonder why we don't really experience the fullness and the power of God in our lives. I'm sorry. You experience the justification of God and in some ways salvation and I'm talking about salvation in the sense of sanctification, meaning I'm beginning to make it be made in his likeness. You can experience that to some level with a minimal amount of obedience by faith. But the truth is, in order to experience God in his ultimate fullness, in order to experience God in a way that where it's God for sure, and you see his hand at work, and you begin to understand him in intimate ways as far as the way you see the world, and for you to be able to actually make huge differences in the world, in order for that to be the case, you've got to be faithfully obedient to God. It is the ultimate end of the spiritual journey. It is the promised land. It is the Pentecostals call it the second baptism. I don't really believe that way. I don't see it that way. I see it as I see it as the fullness of the Holy Spirit at work in your life or the spirit-filled Christian life. That's what I would uh, call it. You can get it off off base if you head in that direction too far. Not that they're I think they're off base. I just think that I think that oftentimes we get caught up in semantics and miss out on the whole the whole process by which God leads us to that. And the process is this. He gives us his word, he reveals himself to us. He, he makes it relevant to our daily lives. He says, this is what I say to you. This is from my eternal word. This is how it applies to your daily life. This is what I'm asking for you to do. And I'm asking you to be obedient to it. And then as you're obedient to it, as you're sowing those seeds of faith, as you're watering those seeds of faith, in, in believing we sow, in watering we, we grow our faith, and we act on in, in that obedience. And so when we do that, ultimately it brings a harvest of the power of God in our lives. 
And that's that's the process. That's the process God has for us to walk in, whether you're a mainline denomination or a Pentecostal or, or a Catholic or a uh, you come from the Orthodox background. What no matter how what kind of what brand of Christian you call yourself, that's the process. And no matter how you describe it, whether you call it Pentecost or whether you call it the Feast of Weeks or whether you call it the Feast of Ingather, the Feast of First Fruits, or whether you call it the Feast of Harvest, that's how it works. It doesn't matter who you are. If you're a believer, if you're part of the kingdom of God, if you're one of God's children, that's how it works out for you. And it's a simple process. You hear God, you hear his eternal word through Jesus. It can't come from you. Okay, then it's relevant to your daily life. Then you hear his instruction as to his word and as to your walk, and you uh, believe it, plant, you act upon it, water, and God brings about a power harvest for you in your life. And this feast is an important feast because it reveals how we're to walk with God. It shows us how we can see God in power on that mountaintop. It shows us how we can see God pouring out his spirit in tongues of fire at Pentecost. We can see God revealing himself in his resurrection through his son, Jesus Christ. Those are the pictures, the picture of resurrection, the picture of the power of God coming down on the on, on the disciples there at Pentecost, the picture of God on top of that mountain in his full glory revealing himself. And so much that Moses wanted to see him and God said, but you can't see me face to face, you'll surely die but I'll show you my hinder parts. I'll pass by and I'll put my hand over the rock. And then when I pass by, you can see uh, the backs, my backside as I pass by. I think that's a powerful uh, vision of God. And we want to have those visions of God. And we want to have those relationships with God and understand how God is really powerfully at work in the world we live in and in our own personal lives and in the lives of others. And uh, that's what this feast or this festival is about. It's about celebrating the power and the work of God in our lives and expecting God to be powerfully at work in the world that we live in. And we as believers, when we don't do that, when we take that for granted, we miss out on the power and then we wonder why the world's all messed up. We're the answer to the world's problems. We're the fix for the problem. And when we're not doing what we need to be doing, because we're not planting those seeds of faith and we're not watering them by being obedient to what God has said, when we don't do that, the world suffers and and the world the world hungers and awaits God setting it right. As the book of Romans says, it yearns, it it groans in the bondage of sin that humanity's placed the world in. And we have to, we need to be a people that are doing that. And God said, listen, celebrate this festival. You can call it what you want to. You can call it the you can call it as he says, celebrate the festival of harvest with the first fruits of the crops you sow in your field. Celebrate heart festival of harvest, festival of first fruits, festival of weeks, uh, festival of Pentecost, or you could call it what I always call it, and for many years I've called it that Shavuot. You can tell it by the way I say it. I'm really good at saying it right. The main thing is to understand what it means. And what it means is God saying, I've delivered you. Now there's a process by which you can have the fullness of who I am. And that process is something to be focused on in your life. And if you'll do it, I promise you, I'll keep showing up. And he does. He always does. When God's people are obedient, he's faithful to them as they are faithful.
As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.